Beautiful. Thank you, Bretto. Thank you, Jaron. Well played. Pardon the pun. Um, I, I, I need to be a bit honest up front this morning. I'm not quite sure what's going to come out of my mouth. I, I was just asking the Lord then, how do I even begin this? And um, he gave me a vision of pizza. Thank you, Lord. And um, we love, I love making pizza and I love getting all the ingredients out and chopping up all the ingredients and uh, I love cooking the pizza and I, I mostly love eating the pizza. I love delivering the pizza for other people and giving people pizza and I'm like, Lord, why the heck are you talking to me about making pizza two seconds before um, I get up here? Um, COVID brain is a real thing, apparently. Um, my thoughts have been so discombobulated this week, it's been difficult to string two things together and try and make sense of any of it. And so in light of that, um, I feel like uh, my role this morning and um, that of both Gav and Jen, who are going to come and share in a um, bit of a, a panel environment this morning is just to bring the ingredients to the table and allow Holy Spirit to make the pizza and to deliver the pizza to you. Um, sometimes um, I get um, mixed up in what my role is um, from this platform at times and sometimes I think it is my job to make and deliver the pizza. Um, but our job here is to gather the ingredients and let Holy Spirit construct what he will out of those ingredients and deliver it to you how it needs to be delivered to you. And so um, I bring the ingredients this morning, not a finished pizza. And so I ask for your grace as I try and sort through discombobulated and disjointed thoughts as I've been sitting with Palm Sunday um, this week. Let me start by reading to you uh, from Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to, in a moment, I'll invite Jen and Gav. Now, nah, all good. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say to them, The Lord is in need of it. I love how Jesus sent them to steal a donkey. <laughs> That's cool. So those who were sent away and found it, just as he had told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set, it, set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, a whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you 
because you did not know the time of your visitation. There is a lot going on in the Palm Sunday moment, heaps. Uh, Namely, uh, the most loud and visible is the worship party that is happening on the streets. People were worshipping for everything that they had seen. Only just a few days prior, they had seen Lazarus raised from the dead. And news started to spread about Jesus, about his power and about the miracles and people. Um, it was con- the, the message of what Jesus was um, doing was contagious among them that led them to an eruption of praise. And this was at the time of the Passover, uh, the time of a national celebration of the Exodus for the people of Israel, looking back at what God had done when their people were held in captivity and it led them through the Red Sea, led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. And this was the moment nationally where they were celebrating that. I mean, there was, there was a lot going on. Rome was, at the time, holding all of the, the power. The Roman Empire was um, holding captive, again, the city of Jerusalem. You know, there was, um, it was besieged for, like it is now, its raw materials. Now it's fuel, then it was grain. And, and Rome was suppressing the people of Israel. They were there to keep the peace and maintain justice, while at the same time they, um, they pillaged the land. Uh, at the time, Julius Caesar, around about, I think 30 years before Jesus, was um, crowned the, the emperor of Rome. Uh, and when he died, he was div- divinized, given this kind of deity. Um, Octavian, uh, an adopted son of his, became the next uh, emperor, and he changed his name to Augustus. And when he, died, when he was alive, um, he was coined the son of God because of his father Julius was seen as so divine in the Roman Empire that Augustus named himself the son of God. And it's into this moment that Jesus turns up on a donkey, proclaiming to be the son of God, but in an entirely different way. So even Israel at this time had so much going on. They had always expected God to come through for them. It had been their national narrative, that small beginnings leading into hard times, but having this God who always comes through for them. You know, they were celebrating in light of the story that had been, but were also celebrating in light of the promise that was to come. They knew that Messiah was coming at some point, and they probably recognised or thought or hoped that it would be in a way that matched the kind of um, injustice that they were suffering, that this Messiah would come in power on a big white horse with a, with a whole platoon of military might behind him to overthrow the Roman emperor, but yet here is Jesus humbly rolling into town on a donkey. And so there's these two, and T. Wright notices these two things. There is kind of the push of the culture, and this is what Rome was doing, pushing a new culture, the, the pagan culture of Rome, trying to influence that into the national story of Israel and become the dominant narrative. And is that not so true of today? That there is a, a culture that would try and influence the family of God to influence the church in such a way as to hijack its story and its narrative. And so we also see in Israel this personal hope and expectation and anticipation of what would come. And we all have our hopes and our dreams and our belief in what God is doing among us and what he will do in our lives. And so we have these influences of both Rome and Israel, of both 
uh, national expectation um, of pushing against culture and also personal um, anticipation and expectation of God, what God will do. Um, but it's interesting to note how Jesus does it in such a different and unexpected way. You know, I think in God's kingdom, we need to always expect the unexpected. You know, there is serendipity in God's kingdom that we ought to always have our hearts and our ears and our eyes attuned to. Moments where God breaks in to our everyday experience in ways that confound us and go, I didn't see that coming. Because that is the story of Palm Sunday. We didn't see this coming, Jesus coming in on a donkey. Uh, I mean, we've got hindsight of, um, of what eventually came to pass a week after Palm Sunday, but they didn't. They were celebrating in the moment. They were captivated by the presence of Jesus in that moment, unbound by what might come. They weren't sure what the victory of God was going to look like, yet in this moment, they worshipped. There was this serendipitous moment where Jesus entered in a way they never thought he would, and they worshipped him as the king. Now, I wonder how much of God's activity in our lives we miss just because we haven't got the eyes to see the unexpected activity of God around us. How many small moments in our lives, you know, God is right there and he is so near and so present, yet we skip on for whatever reason. John Oetberg in his, his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, I think it was called, he said there's kind of two modes we live in. One is living and one is waiting to live. And how often we get stuck just waiting to live as though we're always in the waiting room for something, always in, in transit in our lives toward something, but yet there are moments each and every day that God wants us to stop like these people of Israel did that day and they saw Jesus roll into town on a donkey and they beheld his wonder and his goodness, not yet knowing where it would lead. However, you and I are on the flip side we know, spoiler alert, how the story goes. Yes, Jesus enters into an incredible week of suffering and pain and passion, which I invite you even this morning to take a walk around the stations of the cross and experience through these images what Jesus endured that week. He went to the cross and he died. And three days later, he rose again in victory over sin and over death and all that is broken and wrong with the world. And that is the reason to celebrate. And I'm going to invite Jan and um, Gav to come up, because I need to stop rambling. Something I wanted to say as they're coming up is I love how strategic God is with celebration. And we saw it in the, in the video. God is the God of celebration. He instituted holidays, feasts, and festivals. And God always speaks through metaphor and through symbol. Uh, for example, every time that a uh, you know, blood was shed, a lamb was killed, there was blood spilt on the altar throughout the Old Testament, it was a time of preparation for God uh, preparing the human heart for the sacrifice of the true lamb that would be to, that would be to come. 
In the same way, every feast, every celebration, every ritual was a preparation of the human heart to receive the resurrection of Christ. And so on Good, Sun- on Good Sunday, Palm Sunday even, uh, this is a moment for us to look to the theme of celebration. For us to look to um, the moment that we're in right now, God is present and he is here. And we want to tap into a little bit of what the art of celebration looks like um, among us. Um, but we also, uh, this is also a moment of preparation, preparing us uh, for, for Easter Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection. You know, today we decided today we're going to cut the service a little bit short and have a joyful morning tea together as just a symbol of celebration, marking the moment now that just lays the foundation for even next Sunday to be wonderful. Even more than that, that we also have this celebration today that prepares our hearts for the coming of the King again one day. And so today we celebrate and we look to the theme of celebration. And I invited Gav and Jen, both on good authority, that these two, in various and unique ways, love to celebrate. Jen, I have done a lot of life with, uh, 20-something years worth of life, and um, Jen is one of the most joyful people that you will meet, not because she's always happy, but because there is a deep joy in her heart, regardless um, of what is thrown her way, in particular against the backdrop of Jen's work in the persecuted church. Um, someone who ought, could potentially uh, be so downcast and downtrodden by all your experiences in the world, yet there is a joy of the Lord that um, is true and right in you, and it's a gift to our church. That's why you're sitting here this morning. Gav, my mate Gav, he's a good man. Um, he's, a, he's a very good man. Uh, loves to celebrate. Um, in fact, I've seen YouTube evidence of Gav and Nat um, who love to throw parties and be hospitable and host others Um, and to create environments and spaces where people can laugh, um, feel welcomed and at home and all of that. So I want to get some of your insight from these things. I did have some notes somewhere that had questions. There they are. Um, And so we're just going to try and tap into some of the the wisdom of our friends here and um, maybe we'll open it up for questions after before we go and hook into some uh, morning tea in about 20 minutes' time. Uh, Let me gather my thoughts for a second. So, over the last six weeks, we've looked at topics of fasting, of temptation, of Sabbath, of giving and confession, and these have each all been transformational ways um, of living, practices that prepare us to receive the ongoing renewal of what God is doing among us and through us. And today being Palm Sunday, focusing on celebration, uh, we want to look at um, how celebration on this day and what we can, how we can best tap into that in our lives. Um, and so, I want to ask you guys a question. How has God prepared you over recent weeks? We've been in this series called Be Prepared. Um, as you think about all of these things, how has God prepared you? Um, or what potentially, what's one thing that he might be putting his finger on in terms of preparing you in anticipation and hope for what he's doing at Easter? Okay, so great question. Hard one to answer. Um, really, the thing that, uh, that Nat and I have been praying a lot about over the last couple of weeks has been new life. We've just been in prayer together and God has been putting on our heart to, to, to remind us that he is the resurrected, right? And that's great and, and we will be resurrected with him as well. Uh, but we are in this space where we are in uh, ongoing 
in our life, the, the power of the resurrection is an ongoing thing in our life. Yes, you get saved. Yes, you get set free. But in life, God is in the activity of putting his finger on different parts of our life and saying, I'm bringing life back into that. It's available for you there. Work with me in your finances, in your marriage, in your parenthood, in how to be a friend, in how to live life. Work with me and the power of the resurrection will start to come alive in that space of your life. It's already there available to you. Um, expose yourself to me in that area and I will bring life and healing in that area of your life. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that God's been saying to me personally lately. Um, and in that as well, no matter how things look in the world and in your life at the moment, that is available to you there. Now, we know what's going on in the world. We know that everything that's going on politically around the world, we know what's been happening with COVID and lockdowns and all that stuff. And life is so hard. It is tough. If you've got kids, you know it's even tougher. <laughs> life is hard, but God is here. And one of the things I love about when the temple was torn in two is the curtain was ripped in two, violently ripped in two. And God is saying, you can't box me anymore because I'm out here now. You were so scared to go to me now, but I've come to you. Let me into that space in your life that is tough. Let me into all areas of your life, but I'm right here. I am knocking. Please let me into that space that you've been trying to control yourself because you can't do it anymore. It doesn't work when you try and do it. If you release yourself into the presence of God every day, don't wait for Sunday, every day, then he will bring restoration, true restoration, not restoration that you're grabbing hold of, that works. Um, I had a friend one time who, sorry, I'm going long, you said 20 minutes, we've got to go out. I, I felt that little, <laughs> little barb there. Um, I had a friend one time who was about to give his dogs a fresh loaf of bread, well, it was, a, it was a crusty loaf of bread. He was going to throw it in the bin, but his dogs were there, and they saw, he saw them, so he broke the bread to give it to the dogs. And the dogs ran in and ate all the crumbs off the floor. And he felt, he said, in that moment, I felt like God. I felt God say to me, Darren, that's you. Don't eat up the crumbs. I've got this for you here. I've got the whole loaf. Stop looking down at the little things that you can grab hold of and just look up at me and I'll give you everything that I have got for you. So that was a long answer um, and I hope I answered the question for you. Did I answer it? This is about bringing ingredients, bro. There you go. Is, uh, <laughs> we're, not making, we're not making pizzas here. <laughs> That's um, my slice. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, uh, saying, yeah, what, what, is, what do you feel God has been preparing in you um, over recent weeks, as we've looked at all of these transformational things? Um. Yeah, it's a big question. If I would summarise it, it would be, I constantly feel challenged at the moment by the Holy Spirit to look and listen. Um, both to look and listen for the activity of God, but also to look and listen for the potential obstacles that I put in place that inhibit my capacity to see God in any given moment. 
great. I want to read a quote actually off the, off the back of that. And G.K. Chesterton says this, because children have abounding vitality, because they are free in spirit, fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. You know, if you ever had a kid at the park and you're swinging and you're like, do it again, do it again. No, my arm's really tired. No, do it again, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. <laughs> For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately but never has got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old. Our father is younger than we. And he's so right. Look and listen. Even if it is the sunrise, perhaps God is behind the sunrise that would otherwise seem to us monotonous and and repetitive or the moon or the daisies or the waves rolling against the shore or whatever it is. But behind that is a creative God who is full of joy and he continually says, do it again, do it again, do it again and doesn't tire of the monotonous things. Um, Again, how often do we miss the activity of God in, the monot- in what we perceive to be the monotonous, but perhaps God is asking us to place both feet on the floor at that time and saying, celebrate this moment because I am here. I think too it's yeah. in those ordinary moments, right? So sometimes in my mind, you know, we set um, God in these miraculous, spectacular moments. And I think God's at work there, but it's also the everyday moments, you know. I was just thinking recently, I had the joy, just on my recent trip, one of the guys from work um, was travelling with me, and he said, Jen, I'll pick you up. Um, I said, okay, great. And he, we were in the car, and I knew that there was something a little bit quirky about him, but when we got in the car, he said, you know, I have autism, right? He said, I'm on the spectrum, and I said oh, wow, can you, you know, share a little bit more around this? And it, that, that hour in the car for me was such a gift because the guy's a genius. So he, God has placed him in this really unique situation and spot within our organisation. Um, and he's brilliant, but he went on to tell me how he has to regulate his emotions because he can be up all night and he can, um, it can get all out of balance and... Uh, he sort of shared with me him about this journey of just being transparent and honest about God at work in his autism. And that took him a long time to see that his autism was a gift. And it truly is, because I won't go into talk. He, he does a lot of the IT stuff around hacking and stuff on our websites. And then he turned around and he said to me, you know, um, I said, do you have any children? He's married. And he said, yeah. He said, my son all his organs are on the other side of his body. And I turned around and I said, oh, so you have a miraculous little boy, a boy of a miracle. God's given you a miracle. And he said, you're the first one that's ever said that. And he said, and I, 
it wasn't what I was doing. I just was what God was doing just in that conversation in a car, right? Um, and I got back and I'm like, that was a joy moment for me. Just, Great. yeah. So I was just thinking, you know, God is in ordinary yeah. moments, yeah. yeah. Um, you need to have a story of some kind of serendipitous oh. moment in a sec, so um, prepare yourself. Um, yeah, because I think that's where God's taken us just now. I was, at, um, I, was, I was doing a wedding for Tom and Lorraine's son a couple of weeks ago and, um, and, and a gentleman there um, came and found me after the wedding and uh, I'd never met this guy um, and he just looked me in the eyes and started encouraging me in the Lord. Uh, and he said, Dave, you know, this and that. And I can't even, I'm not going to repeat because I won't even do it justice. But um, if about 10 minutes, he just eyeballed me and he was just giving me story after story after story and just encouraging me uh, from his own faith journey. And then yeah, he, he left. And then five minutes later, he came back and he tapped me on the shoulder again. He looked me in the eyes again and he started encouraging me again. He said, Dave, young pastors, you know, this, that and the other. And I just want to bless you in the Lord. And I walked away feeling 12 feet tall in spirit from this moment and they were words that just I needed to hear right then. Um, I could have passed off that moment as just a um, here's a quirky guy who's got some cool things to say or stand there again both feet planted and say Holy Spirit you are here um, and I thank you for what you're doing because I need this right now. And I think that's the, I think that this is the story of, of, of Palm Sunday being so present to God's presence uh, regardless of not knowing what the outcome will be. Uh, yeah. You've got, you got a serendipitous moment where God has just broken into your, into your day? Yeah. See, you, you sent that question to me this week, and I was like, um, I actually found it very difficult to find one specific moment that I could talk about. Right. Up from, I mean, I could talk about any moment that, that happened, but my answer is so cliche, so I do apologise. Um, I... I, I think th those moments are f true freedom, right? The, the moments with God that are like that are, are standing in true freedom in the presence of God. Mm. We all want that. The world craves that. And um, I... Here's the cliche bit. I feel that at least once every day, usually at night. Uh, I feel my most free when all the kids are in bed. <laughs> Sounds like I'm saying it's about the kids. High five. Yeah, there it is. Um, I, when I go, when Nat goes to bed and the kids go to bed, that's my God time. Jesus got up in the morning and went out into the wilderness. We take that so often as, oh, I've got to get up in the morning. I'm not a morning person. How hard is it? It's, it's real, I really struggle. I get up, I sit down. I've, I don't have COVID, but I feel like I've got COVID brain. Um, it's really hard for me to do that. I, don't, I, I, I just struggle to get up in the morning. Jesus went in the morning because that worked for him and his schedule. Um, I do it at night. God will show up when you go to wherever it is, your mountaintop. So in, at night, when I sit down to sit in the silence of the house, which is the only time in the, in, in the house when it is silent, I sit in the silence and I um, just let my thoughts go and I... I, I give those thoughts to God. Um, and you can't feel free unless you've felt trapped before. And all of us have felt trapped in certain areas of our life, and you probably do even now sitting here, in one area that you're already thinking about right now. And at night, when I'm sitting in the presence of God, all those things that pull me down 
I can just say, Father, you are here. I am still. Be still and know that I'm God. I love that psalm because that psalm, the way it was originally written, was not, being, not God being gentle. He was almost telling them to shut up. Stop. Be still and just know that I'm God. Yes, I know all that stuff's going on, but just be still. Stop fidgeting and listen because I'm here. And in that moment, when I'm praying, I start to stand up to pray and I start to pray what God has put on my heart, then I feel free because in all the chaos and in all the mess that we live in, to get in the presence of God and to be present in the presence of God, your head starts to come up above it and he starts to show you what he sees. Every Christian, every day of my Christian life, I've said, Father, show me what you see in the world, in my life. Let me feel what you feel. And he'll do that. If tonight, or in your God time, you just say, let me see what you see, he'll show you. And in that, there is freedom, because he is waiting for us to make ourselves available. In the morning, at a coffee shop. One thing that Jesus did when he went to be with his father was to get alone. You can't be alone if you've got this in your pocket even if you are physically alone. You can't be alone. It's very difficult to be truly alone when you've got the flow of conversation in your mind or around you. It's very difficult to be alone when you've got kids around, but you can cultivate that in your quiet space and from that, that's where everything else flows. Mm. Great. Is that a... Yeah, is that, so, I, so my answer, when, do I, when was the last yeah. time I felt free? Yeah. Last night before I went to bed. Yeah. Great. How good. I'm noticing that there is an inextricable correlation between joy and um, the presence of Jesus. And I think there's a takeaway here for all of us, um, is that we can search for happiness or or joy in all kinds of of places. Uh, I look forward to going fishing this week. It'll be a really great and joyous and happy moment of of my week. Um, I look forward to being back at work with all of you know, the people I get blessed to work with. That will be a joyous and, and happy time. Um, but yet they're not the totality of where joy is birthed. Um, that it is in the presence of Jesus where true joy is found. Um, that there is, what did it say in that video, and I wrote it down here, that there is an irrepressible laughter in the heart of God and the whole universe cannot contain it. He invented celebration, feasts, holidays. He is the one who sings and dances over us. And when we get into the presence of the joyous king who sings over us, who lifts us up out of the miry clay, who is the one who, um, when we cry out, answers and responds, um, we are doing so to a God who is so joy-filled um, and it is, it is an irrepressible part of his character. Uh, I love that C.S. Lewis says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Um, We could probably talk about that all day, um, but we're going to finish up in just a sec. Um, I'm I'm curious to know, as we think about joy and celebration um, and what has been shared um, this morning, does anyone have a question of these guys or or myself um, around joy, celebration? How do you do it? When life sucks, how do you celebrate uh, which is an interesting thing, and that's why I read that second bit of, in, in, in Luke's rendition of Palm Sunday as well, is that in the middle of this celebration, Jesus wept. 
And he was weeping over this city and there's this beautiful tension that exists in this moment where in the middle of Christ recognising the brokenness of the city and the injustice and the pain and the hurt and the devastation of people um, in all of that systemic and human toll, um, Jesus wept. Um, yet at the same time, there's rejoicing. And I think that's the dance that we do in God's kingdom, is that we are able to live amongst and through pain and suffering um, as we see Jesus do in the week of passion and through his death, live through that pain and that suffering um, to then on the other side of that receive the power of resurrection. Um, and so I, I don't think that pain and suffering is um, evidence of God not with us. It is um, God's way of showing us the rhythm of the kingdom and how new life emerges through pain and suffering. Um, so if you were going to ask a question on pain and suffering, there's the answer. Um, <coughs> Uh, but does anyone have a question just before we finish up to throw, throw out there at all? If not, we're going to finish up and go and eat some morning tea together and celebrate um, Palm Sunday. I have something else I can add, yeah, just quickly. Yeah, the away. video threw me so hard. I was crying watching the video. Right. Uh, the lavish table, how good was that? Celebrating. Mm. But the one thing that I laughed out loud was the adult smashing the piñata. <laughs> Did you see that? I find that... Piñatas are hilarious, no matter what. Kids bashing a thing for food, for lollies, is hilarious. I find it hilarious. But to see an adult do it, I was so challenged then, because I'm like, worshipping here this morning quietly, and it was like an adult smashing a piñata. And I think if we really want to celebrate, despite how we feel, like, mm. the, like, like the apostles trapped in the, in the prison, worshipped God. Mm. And he showed up in that moment. Mm. He was, they were available, and he came in power. If we are worshipping God quietly, that's fine to do that. No pro I do it constantly. Um, but if we deliberately put ourselves out there and smash heaven like a piñata, God, you are good. You are so good. I know I feel this, but God is good and God will show up. Who knows what's going to happen? So I think that's one of the parts of celebration was, for me, was like, yeah, when we celebrate things, when Nat and I celebrate people in the house for a birthday or for Christmas or for Easter or when we celebrate any of the Jewish calendar things, Rosh Hashanah, all those kind of things, we deliberately go way above what anybody expects. If we're going to have people over for pizza, we make the pizza dough with them there so it's messy and it's organic and it's people here and we plug it into God because God is a lavished God. He lavishes his love upon us. And when I think of that, that's scripture, when I think of that, I see a chocolate cake that's got heaps of chocolate on it, and God goes, it's not enough chocolate, more chocolate, more chocolate, until it's overflowing all over the place and it gets on everyone, because God's love is like that. Mm. If we open ourselves up to God's love, it's right there. Mm. If we receive it, and if we worship and we smash that piñata, we go, God, you are good, and keep doing it, never slow down. Who knows what's going to happen with, through, through celebrating, yes, being mindful of the things that are going on in the world and what's going on in our own heart, our own family. Yes, be mindful of it, but choose to smash that piñata. Choose to dance like David in his ephod down the street. Choose to do it, and everybody else will do it too. Sorry. No, it's good. And I think we're the fruit, we're the fruit of generations gone by who have done that very thing. Yeah. Faithful, faithful um, men and women of Christ who over the generations... Have, have whacked the piñata of heaven and uh, perhaps now uh, we are enjoying the lollies um, of what they have done and now it is our turn and, and again as we, as 
as I said, God is a strategic God when it comes to celebration and Palm Sunday being a strategic moment to prepare his people for the, um, to be able to receive the resurrection and to celebrate fully there. Um, that even as we gather every Sunday, it's not just, this isn't about singing the songs that we like on Sundays and being here because we've got nothing else to do. Um, there is a celebration coming that God is preparing us for that will be eternal. There is, there is a coming again of Christ that is going to be a moment to behold, um, that will lead us into eternity. And when we gather for church on Sunday to hear the word of God proclaimed, to be around coffee and tea and encourage one another, to sing praise and worship, this is a moment of celebration to prepare us for eternity. You know, this is the work of eternal, uh, working at our eternal salvation now as we gather. Um, and I know, I think it was Shelley had a vision one day of, of, of us worshipping to the extent that which we would lift our seats above our heads and shout the praise of God. Such ought to be the celebration demanded of us who have received so much from the Lord. Um, and so let's continue to be a church of celebration. Um, people who are joy-filled because God is a joyous God. And may what we experience in light of also entering into Christ's sufferings over this week of the Passion and into Good Friday um, also be those who experience and live out of the resurrection and the power that is afforded to us in our lives um, because of that. So um, let's transition from this moment and we, don't, we, won't, we won't sing again. Um, we're going to have morning tea. As we met this week as a team, we thought, what could we do this week that is just a little bit... Um, different to be celebratory in preparing ourselves for the coming of Easter. Um, and so I have it on good authority that there are um, donuts and lamingtons and cupcakes, I think, and pikelets, and there'll be tea and coffee. Um, and it's just a time for us to experience laughter in the room together as we have morning tea, um, a joy filled on this Palm Sunday, um, because this is a moment for which we look forward in hope and expectation, um, knowing what the end of the story is, but yet we are people um, of joy and celebration because God is a God of joy and of celebration. So thank you, Gav. Thank you, Jen. Um, in spite of me not being able to pull thoughts together this week, you have been a great help and assistance. Uh, so bless you guys. Um, so thanks for being here this week. Um, Easter services next week, 9.30, both on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. Um, it's going to be a wonderful couple of days celebrating Easter together. Um, so be blessed. Head out, grab some morning tea, and um, can't wait to connect with you soon.